and welcome to the Travel Diaries podcast. I'm your host, journalist Holly Rubenstein, and on this week's destination special, we're heading to one of the world's most popular travel destinations. We're off to the southeast of Europe, to a country of thousands of islands dotted throughout the Aegean and Ionian seas. The cradle of Western civilization, its capital Athens is home to ancient landmarks dating back to the 5th century BC, like the Acropolis and the Parthenon. A country of magical natural landscapes, turquoise seas and secret beaches with the longest coastline in Europe and the most welcoming locals. It is, of course, glorious Greece. Unsurprisingly, Greece, and in particular the Greek islands, have been a hugely popular choice by my podcast guests over the last seven seasons. And what I've especially enjoyed is really how many of them are hidden gems that I personally wasn't hugely familiar with. The first half of today's episode is a tour of those islands featuring some of my favourite guests over the last few years. And then afterwards, we'll be joined by Greece travel expert, fellow podcaster and Greece resident, Heidi Fuller-Love, who will be sharing her extensive expertise, tips, recommendations for your next Greek holiday. First, we're heading to the Saronic Islands with chef Tom Kerridge and the tiny island of Agistri, which sits alongside Poros, Aegina, Spetses and Hydra, making it the perfect base for island hopping between the Saronic Islands. Agistri is less than an hour by ferry from Athens and is one of the most popular Greek islands for weekend getaways from the country's capital. It's a green, lush island with many scenic and unspoiled charms alongside some breathtaking beaches. Here's Tom to tell us more. The first real holiday as such that I actually remember having of going, this is amazing. And we went to this beautiful tiny island called Agui Street and it's about an hour, an hour's ferry ride from Athens. So I remember flying into, we flew into Athens. It was a, you know, one of those cheap flights that you get into Athens really early in the morning and then you get a ferry. And I remember getting the ferry into this beautiful little island and the sun was just coming up. And the first thing I did is jump in the sea and swim. It was just like, I couldn't believe why I'd never been on proper holiday before. I couldn't believe that, you know, I, I left school and I went straight into a kitchen pretty much from the age of 18. Like, and, 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 and you know, for seven years, I'd just been working as a chef and never on a holiday really. And, you know, if I did have holiday, it'd be down to Cornwall with me mates drinking cider and not, and all of a sudden, you know, I'd met this amazing girl and she said, let's go to Greece. And I thought it'd be like proper party. And it was, it was just amazing. And uh, yeah, so, and we've been going to Greece probably, I'd say on and off every year since then. So, you know, the last 20 years, you know, backwards and forwards to Greece and different islands and Cyprus and uh, 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 and Crete. And, you know, it, I just absolutely love it. And I love, I love Greek food. I love, I, I love the way that um, it, it, there's a small vocabulary Greek food. It's not huge, you know, mm. they, but what they do is beautiful. When it's looked up, it's so immersive of the environment. The, it's very dry, it's very it's it, there's it's very rustic it's very they're great with dried herbs you know we always talk about in cooking about the use of wonderful fresh herbs and that's amazing but greek cookery really does embrace dried herbs and, and so that kind of like arid cooking that's that's big on flavor but it's just something very very special things like cypriot potatoes that the the soil that works so well that creates this wonderful flavor they i i'm hugely in love with with 
Greek food, Greek cooking, and and the islands of Greece. So yeah, mm. that was that was kind of my first real real holiday, and it's one that I've I've fallen in love with massively. We're continuing our journey in the Saronic Islands, hopping to a slightly bigger island to the right of Agistri, just 10 minutes away by ferry, and that is Aegina. You'll notice with this special, there's a bit of a theme here that Greece is very popular with my chef guests. And we're joined now by chef Hugh Fernley-Whittingstall, who has a powerful childhood travel memory of spending time on this picturesque island. Aegina is home to many archaeological monuments, the most impressive probably is the ancient temple of Athena Aphaea, dating back to the 6th century BC. And its capital, Aegina Town, boasts neoclassical buildings and a bustling seafront promenade. Most of the island's beaches are small, but they're enticingly beautiful. Here's Hugh to share his special memories of the island. The most, the most intense childhood memory of, of travel that I have is Greece. Uh-huh. And uh, a holiday in Greece when I can't have been more than five or six we went there we went there because my dad had made great friends with a greek gentleman when he when they they were at university together and they became great friends uh, he was called spiro and spiro married an english woman uh, who was actually a friend of my mother's so it was all very neat ah. and tidy and um they they lived in athens and they had a little holiday house on an island called egina and we went there a few times, and I think some, maybe one or two summers in a row. But my, and I'm sure my memories have fused from different trips there. But I have, I have intense memories of sound and smell and taste from visits to Egina, and I can sort of conjure them. There, there was a lot of sitting out in the garden in the evening, and the sound of the cicadas and grown-ups chatting and drinking and laughing and me and my sister being allowed to stay up a little bit late and be with them and i can remember grabbing pistachio nuts from a bowl on the table and lemons and limes maybe other citruses too growing in the garden and i remember the smell of a cut lime and the and the the, the incredible zesty citrus aroma of, of the lime skin mm. that was probably being cut for, for their gin and tonics. Although I also remember them drinking ouzo, that, that extraordinary licorice drink, oh, um, yeah. which I have sampled since. And it, it's not a drink that travels well, but if you are, <laughs> if you are in Greece and the sun is shining and uh, maybe there's a little bit of burnt octopus in front of you, and indeed these pistachio nuts, which I keep coming back to. I think I probably didn't taste them for another 10 or even 20 years because you just couldn't get them in the UK at that time. So they were something extraordinarily exotic. And I remember peeling them, picking the, uh, you know, the shells off for my mum and maybe others to eat, and then um, snaffling the odd one myself and this bright green nut with an extraordinary distinctive taste. Oh. I've always enjoyed pistachios ever since. In fact, if I do, if I do end up with a bowl in front of me, I, I, I have to just apply a little bit of self-control, not, not to binge the entire bowl. 
We're heading southeast now to a different island group, the famous Cyclades Islands. These are the islands that are right in the middle of the Aegean Sea. Some are closer to Greece, others to Turkey. 24 are inhabited, including Santorini, Mykonos, Andros, Tinos, and our next stops, Kufinicia and Amorgos, brought to life by travel editor Fiona Duncan. Kufinicia is a group of two heavenly island gems, loved for their beautifully clear turquoise water, glittering sand, and iconic Cycladic architecture. The islands are easily reachable by ferry from Athens, or the closest airport is on Naxos Island. To its right is Amorgos, known as the steep island of the Big Blue, combining epic views of the Aegean with the best features of the Cyclades, great beaches, local traditions and laid-back villages. Many have dropped by Amorgos, pirates, 19th century travellers, 70s hippies and locals from other Cyclades islands who've sought oracles from its famous chattering waters. The idyllic landscape and the colour of the sea even inspired the French film director Luc Besson, who chose it as one of the filming locations for his movie The Big Blue. Here's Fiona Duncan with more. I'll go to any of the Greek islands that I haven't been to already, thank you very much. And I just think that those islands are the hidden gem of the world because personally they stop me needing to go to the other side of the world to lie on a beach yeah because get the a greek beach you know with a little taverna behind and yeah. how can you beat that i went with a girlfriend a couple of years ago um and we went actually in late september early october absolutely beautiful weather perfect time to go uh, and we flew to naxos and we just island hopped as if we were children students you yeah. know and we went to uh uh, Kufenicia, which is beaches. My God, you've never seen beaches like they are in and Kufenicia. And I've never heard of it. Kufenicia, tiny. And it, this is the Could little... You stay there? Yes. Yeah. See, what, you, what happens is you get off the ferry and there's a line of people with, with placards saying, you know, room for rent, hotel rooms, whatever. It, you, you don't have to book anything. You just go. Um, and then we went to this island called Amorgos, Ooh. And it's got something special. And we, it's very mountainous and it's very spiritual. It's got lots of monasteries on it, including a, a famous one, which is sort of carved into the side of the cliff. Uh, but my friend Geraldine and I walked up to a monastery. We just, we were staying in this little pensione place and uh, there was a monastery way up the mountain up there. So we decided to walk up to it and we didn't know what we were going to find when we got there. And what we found when we got there was just absolutely amazing. We found an, the most beautiful woman, a nun. She looked like Isabella Rossellini. She was young and unbelievably beautiful. I felt I was in a Hollywood movie. I really did. And uh, she asked us in and, and we had Turkish delight and cups of mint tea. And it was very, very, very special. And Amorgos has got, you know, beaches and pretty villages and everything. But uh, that I love. There are many, many, many other Greek islands that could equal Amorgos. But that's the one that uh, is uh, in, in my heart at the moment. Remaining in the Cyclades, we're joined next by photographer David Loftus, who learnt the most about himself on the quintessential Greek island of Paros. One of the best-loved holiday destinations in Greece, Paros is known for its natural beauty, beaches with crystal-clear waters, unrivaled Byzantine footpaths connecting traditional villages and breathtaking landscapes. 
They say Paros is like Mykonos was maybe 20 years ago. Parikia, the capital of Paros, is a beautiful Cycladic village with whitewashed cubic houses and impressive neoclassical mansions. And at the centre of the village, there's a 13th century Venetian castle which stands proudly on a hill with amazing views. The island is a four-hour high-speed ferry from Athens or a short 40-minute flight, or you can take a quick ferry from Mykonos or Santorini, which is less than an hour. Let's hear from David Loftus about his memories of travelling there. And as a side note, David's son is actually called Paros, so it clearly really made an impression on him. It would have to be Greece and it would have to be Paros. It's where John and I first went away on our own. I mean, we'd, we had done trips on our own, uh, but with, you know, with grandmother along so we'd been to places like canada and stuff but to actually go away on our own after school you know um before we went to our john was my twin yes so uh so we went and spent some time in paros and we we'd always loved greece we'd wanted to go to greece for a long time on our own and we were grecophiles you know we were obsessed with lawrence durrell with gerald durrell we were we loved poetry, we loved art, we loved everything about Greece. Um, so Greece is our sort of, was our spiritual home. And Paros was the, happened to be the, one of the Cyclades islands, which both of us settled on. He was the first, to, I was the first to go to the Cyclades, but he was the first to go to Paros. Now, I don't, uh, Naxos, and I mean, there's, it's a wonderful set of islands. They're quite arid, quite mountainous in places. Um, they have that traditional whitewashed architecture, mm. which, I mean, Paros is certainly the prettiest, I believe. Of and in comparison, though, to Santorini, like, gets, I would imagine, less, far less, it's far less famous. Yes. I mean, Santorini, the first time I went to Santorini, it was amazing because it was, you know, it was a donkey from the port and it yeah. was, it was chaos but certainly no there were no flights or um and not and that was, many five-star hotels no yeah. none actually or honeymoon is or instagram is <laughs> no no so it was right santorini was certainly wonderful at the time so what was it that you loved about paros paros a, it was very arty which i loved there were a lot of artists there yeah. ceramicists antique collectors there were chefs it was a place where people settled as opposed to went just on holiday so it's a create a real place for creatives um you know and the first time i went there i remember i i found john and he was he was talking to this amazing greek dancer who he got to know who ran this lovely little tiny sort of antiques emporium which sold these amazing you know bits and bobs and um then he took me to a pottery called Iria, which is still up in the mountains of of greece and we used to bring little bits of pottery home every time sitting below paros is the stunning island of Phologandros, an untouched piece of true greece and chef yota motolenghi's hidden gem with no more than 300 residents in wintertime, this is a small island with a landscape of dry hills and dry stone walls overlooking the clear blue sea. There's no airport on the island, but it's easily accessible by ferry from Athens, or you can take a quick ferry from Mykonos or Santorini. Here's Yotam Otolenghi to tell us more. It's an island in Greece called Folegandros. Uh, it's a tiny island. I hope I don't spoil the island by spreading the word out. You can ride a scooter from one end to one end of it to, to the other in about 25 minutes, if I'm not mistaken. It's got one mm-hmm. tiny little town that you reach by boat. 
Uh, there's no airstrip. It's hard to get to the beaches. It's a bit of a stretch to walk, or there's little boats that go around the perimeter of the island and take you there. Uh, but it's just, you know, it is the typical, beautiful Aegean island, and it's uh, whitewashed little houses, tiny little restaurants. Maybe when we were there, I think we only discovered three or four on the whole island. So it's a very, very small place. And it's just spectacularly beautiful. And, you know, you, you go there and you completely join the village life as for the duration. You know, people are gathering around the square, having something to eat and drink for a very long time, you know, until the middle of the night. And it's just, but it's small. And that's what I love about it. Mm, that sounds gorgeous. Are you and you're a big fan of the Greek islands from the sounds of what you've yeah, mentioned. Yeah, yeah. Oh gosh, I love the Greek islands. Even when I was growing up, because it's so close to Israel, we used to go to the Greek islands a lot. And uh, the sea, anyone who likes to swim in the sea, I just I don't think it's you can dispute that this is the most beautiful in the wor- place in the world to swim. Yeah. I mean, I haven't been to the Caribbean, and I guess I haven't been everywhere. But from all the places, all the places where I've had a swim. The Greek islands are by far the, the most beautiful and wonderful places to, to dip your, your body in. Our final stop in the Cyclades is Milos, a favourite destination of writer Raven Smith. Shaped by its volcanic past, it offers its visitors over 70 beaches, considered among the best in the Aegean, and an exotic beauty unlike any other island in Greece, with volcanic rocks painting the beaches red, pink and orange. This is where the Venus de Milo, the exquisite life-sized marble statue believed to be the goddess Aphrodite, now housed in the Louvre, was discovered. It's home to early Christian catacombs, multicoloured villages cut into the cliffs and emerald green waters. And it's most easily reached by ferry from Santorini or a quick flight from Athens. Here's Raven with more. We went to Milos um, a couple of summers ago, loved it to pieces. So what was Milos like? Gorgeous. Um, So we flew to Athens and then flew to Milos. So it has its own little airport from the mainland, which means it's not too bad to get to, no boats. And it's quite sort of tear the plaster off, wake up the next day on a little tiny little Greek island. It's quite barren and dusty, um, but the food is just phenomenal. It's like a real culinary a kind of forgotten culinary gem, apparently. Uh, but I just remember eating like sort of like goat's cheesy omelette with with courgettes. And they have this place called like Ohamos. And it's just delicious. We went like three times in a week. Really? I think that people are so weird when they go on holiday that they don't like going to the same place for dinner twice. And I'm like, no, when you find somewhere that's delicious, just keep going. We loved it. We went right before the airport, then flew, you know, a little dip in the sea and then flew home. Our final stop on this tour of the Greek islands takes us east to the Dodecanese Islands, found between the Cyclades and the coast of Turkey. The biggest of these islands, which also includes Kos, Patmos and Simi, is Rhodes, a treasured island for perfumer and businesswoman Jo Malone. Rhodes has a rich historical past, which you can tell by its historical buildings and monuments. Look out for stone-paved alleys, elegant mansions and a medieval quarter in the old town. It's no wonder that the medieval quarter of Rhodes, the oldest inhabited medieval town in Europe, is a UNESCO World Heritage medieval city. 
Alongside this history, it's also home to vast beaches and known for its particularly stunning sunsets. And it's an easy island to reach with direct flights from the UK and Athens. Here's Jay Malone with more. So when I was little, I grew up on a council estate, so nobody went abroad. We went to a caravan in the Isle, on the Isle of Sheppey in Laysdown. That was our holiday every year, or a holiday in Cornwall. Mm-hmm. So I was trying to remember my first, my first memory of travelling outside, and it was when I got married. So the first time I really travelled was my honeymoon. Wow. And I went to the, the Greek islands with my husband. And what made you pick the Greek islands as the first place that you were going to travel abroad? I just, I'd heard about it and um, I was just desperate to get on a plane and go somewhere that was different. And I fell in love with Greece. Uh, We went to Rhodes the first time and then over the years we've travelled and we've visited Corfu and in fact we're in Corfu this year for Mm -hmm. for our summer holidays. There's something, there was something remarkably simple and beautiful and I love the culture, I love the hospitality of the people and the warmness. And we stayed in a tiny, tiny little hotel because we didn't have very much money. It was like full board. And it, I just love the smells. I love the, the morning I would get up and the bright bougainvillea would be, you know, just smiling at me, that purple flower, which I find really strange. It's never had a smell. I find that really odd in life. It's such a beautiful flower, but it doesn't have a smell. Mm, I loved the food. I loved the, um, you know, walking out in the evening, walking through Rhodestown and finding a little place to have a souvlaki and a, a little bit of uh, tzatziki. I'm probably pronouncing it wrong. And, um, and also I fell in love with a stray dog that followed us everywhere. And I wept the day that we had to leave. Oh. Canelli, he was called. Oh, <laughs> So that's really stuck with you, that memory of being in, in Rhodes. It was, it was a happy time. Yeah, you know, it was a um, honeymoon. It was, yeah, it was honeymoon. And it was, uh, I remember going though to, we went to somewhere called Embona mm-hmm. and it was a, a wine festival and I hadn't really drunk that much wine in my life. Oh boy, did I have a hangover the next morning. <laughs> but it was, and we had to all get in a coach and go all the way up the hill and then all the way down. And I can tell you, I didn't touch alcohol for a very, very long time. <laughs> Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Today's episode is supported by Airbnb. 
It has been a long old winter here in the UK and in between podcast seasons I'm going to take a little bit of downtime to seek out some warmth. I'm jetting off to the Greek island of Mykonos visiting some places that have been on my bucket list and while I'm hopefully soaking up some Mediterranean sun my home will be hosting guests from all over the world thanks to Airbnb. It's the perfect way to make your travels even more rewarding. Instead of letting your home sit empty while you're off exploring new destinations, why not turn it into a cozy retreat for fellow travellers just like I do. Whether you choose to rent out your entire space or just a spare room, it's up to you. I list my spare bedroom and it's been a fantastic experience, both financially rewarding and a great way to connect with new people. So if you're planning your own summer getaway or any trip for that matter, consider putting your home on Airbnb. It's a fantastic way to earn extra income that can go towards your travel expenses, souvenirs, or even that special treat you've been eyeing. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.co.uk forward slash host. Thank you to Airbnb for supporting the Travel Diaries. Well, that concludes our star-studded tour of some of Greece's most memorable islands. Of course, you know, we've only just scratched the surface here with over 6,000 islands to choose from. And not forgetting Greece's glorious mainland, including the Peloponnese, Athens, Halkidiki, to just name a few. Luckily, we're now joined by Heidi Fuller Love, an acclaimed travel journalist and broadcaster, Greece expert and resident of the island of Crete, who'll help us fill in some of the gaps and share her top tips, favourite spots and hidden gems. Heidi Fuller Love, welcome to the Travel Diaries podcast, to this glorious Greece special. It's really great to be speaking with you today. How are you? I'm very well. Thank you, Holly. It's a beautiful day here in Crete. Uh, there's a little bit of wind, which is my favourite kind of weather. So it's hot with wind, so not too hot. Oh, how glorious. And how long have you been based out in Crete? So I've been here for 12 years. Um, initially, uh, I wasn't going to stay here the whole, the whole time. Um, I left the UK about 35 years ago. I haven't been, um, I haven't lived there since then. Um, so I've lived, you know, all over the place. I've lived in Cambodia, Vietnam, Argentina. But then, like a lot of digital nomads, I just wanted to find somewhere, you know, that would be like home, a good home base. And I actually met my husband in Crete a long oh. time ago. So uh, we said, well, we've been to all these places. Maybe we should go back to Crete and see if we still like it. Mm -hmm. We have a camper van. Uh, yeah. We travel a lot with that. So we took the camper van and we spent four months traveling around Crete, fell back in love with it and decided to to buy something here, which is what we've done. Amazing. And for you know we're going to be doing a deep dive into so many of the greek islands who would crete suit for a holiday would you say well the great thing about crete is that it's so varied it's a really big island i mean most people are really surprised when i tell them uh, it takes like seven or eight hours uh, to get from hania in the west well castelli really the most western point um to sitia which is where I live in the east. Eight hours. Yeah, I'm really surprised by that. Is it the biggest island of the Greek islands? Yes, yes, it is. It's the largest um, mm. Greek island. So there's an incredible variety. So really, it's, a, you know, it's an island which 
suits every taste. You know, there's cultural activities, uh, adrenaline sports, lots of stuff for the kids, some really nice hotels as well. So good food, of course, most important thing. It's great for outdoors adventures, isn't it? What kind of outdoors adventures could you get stuck into in Crete? Well, there's low, I mean, there is so much because the E4 trail goes through Crete. So you've got, you can follow the E4 trail, which takes you right up onto the spine of the mountains, the Lefkoori, right through into East Crete. You know, it's really wild, really beautiful. But also, I mean, you can do things like, um, one thing I love to do is to take a kayak and then you can uh, follow the coastline. There are a few islands, small deserted islands like Kufunisi, Krisi Island near Yerapetra. So you can, you know, go to these islands or just follow the coastline if you're not too, you know, if you're not uh, too good in a kayak. Mm -hmm. You can also, there's um, the new uh, city of Geopark. I must mention that because uh, Sitia, as I say, that's where I live. So yeah. uh, they're very proud of their new Geopark. And it's wonderful because it's this immense um, area, which is just wild. You know, there are a few abandoned villages. It's just acres and acres. There are a few old monasteries. There are some lovely beaches, um, Vi Beach, which was, you, which was in the um, bounty advert in, in the 1980s, a long time <laughs> really? ago. Really? <laughs> so, um, you know, the, uh, of course, there's Samaria, Samaria Gorge, which everyone knows, which is fantastic. Tell me a little bit about it. So that's near Hanya. Mm-hmm. So it's the longest gorge in Europe, I believe. Wow. Yes. Yeah. So it's, um, it's spectacular. In fact, when it gets hot, they close the gorge because it's, um, it's such an intense hike. So you start at, um, at the top of the gorge and you hike all the way down and when you get to the bottom you have a beautiful beach but on the way it takes I think it takes about six hours I haven't done it for a while um, it's a long hike but you see eagles you see vultures griffin vultures um, you see the wild cree cree goat which is um, endemic to here to Crete so it, it's a fantastic hike the views are really beautiful as well so that's definitely the longest hike you could do here that sounds absolutely incredible. Not for the faint-hearted, you have to be fit. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, better to be. But if you want to do a hike that's um, not so well known, if you go, so that's in the west, but if you go to the east to Zakhos, uh, which is a tiny, Kato Zakhos, which is a tiny fishing port, um, there's a wonderful gorge there. So at the bottom, Kato Zakhos, there's um, a Minoan palace, which you can visit. Remains of a Minoan palace, but really um, extensive remains. Um, Mm. There's a lovely little bay, which is barely known, just with a handful of fishing taverners. Um, And then you can hike the gorge up to Zakros, the town, uh, well, the village, where you can stay. You can stay there a couple of very small hotels, rooms, really. And that takes about four hours. But that's a very lovely hike as well. Um, but they're also very proud of their culture. Um, Cretan music. I love Cretan music. And it's very, very special. They play the lyra, the three stringed lyra, which goes, dates back to Byzantine, Byzantine times. Yeah. And you, if you go to, I mean, talk about hidden gems. If you go to a, a glendy, a Cretan music evening, uh, where they, they'll start at about 11 at 
night, usually food is included. You pay uh, something like 12 euros and you'll get food and raki included. And then it just goes on until dawn. And you, they're playing this wild music and everyone's dancing and it's life. It's yeah. colour. It's, it's a wonderful place. Oh, that sounds absolutely incredible and such a, an insight into local culture. It's a culture that's well worth getting to know. What other islands would you say would be a good choice for people whose priority is to experience the island's culture? Um, maybe they're less inclined to lie on a beach or go out on the water that they really want to learn about the history and the culture of, of, of particular islands. Santorini uh, as well is really interesting because you have um, at Crotiri, which is, they say it's the Bronze Age Pompeii um, because, you know, when the, there was the eruption, the volcanic uh, eruption, uh, which they say, they said it has the force of something like 40,000 uh, Hiroshima's. So you can imagine this. Yes, incredible, isn't it? And so, you know, it buried the whole of Akrotiri under a blanket of ash. But the site itself is fascinating because you can see how people really lived, how the Minoans really lived. So that's really interesting. Mm. Also in Santorini, you can, I have a friend called Nikos Botsinis who runs Santorini walking tours. And he will take you along the old um, Calderimi, the old mule trails, uh, to see a completely different side to this island. And you won't see anyone. You'll see vineyards, you'll see old houses, you'll see, um, you know, you'll meet local people tending their fields mm -hmm. and you see a completely different side to the island. Yeah. What a great recommendation just to get away from those uh, Instagram influences. <laughs> <laughs> Having said that, though, I went to Santorini um in mid-September, uh, mm -hmm. just before the pandemic. And I, I thought that was such a perfect time to go because I didn't experience the over-tourism aspect of it at all. It was gorgeous temperature, you know, not many selfie sticks. It felt like a really great time of year to visit. Yes, yeah. I mean, it's definitely an island that you should discover out of season. Um, September is a good time, probably. I mean, October's good as well. The weather's still good and the hotels are still open. The tavernas are still open. Speaking of hotels, you've reviewed and experienced so many across all of the Greek islands and Greece mainland if you had to pick a, f a few that really stand out like destination hotels which would you go for if it was um in terms of beaches recently i visited the new uh, marbella elix um which is near parga that's on the mainland which mm -hmm. is beautiful it's like a kind of fortress up on a hill uh, surrounded by pine trees and then then you've got a um a funicular that takes you down to the beach and it's a beautiful sandy cove that's a really nice one for families mm. and then i'd say the most spectacular place for pampering would be nana princess so that's also in crete and it's a beautiful hotel it was only built uh, a few years ago stone built right on the beach but it's got the most incredible um spa facilities I, i've honestly never seen anything like it really it's, and you've seen a lot of great spas yes yeah um i mean it's 
it's a kind of basement spa, but it's huge. It's really vast. Um, it's like a football pitch, basically two football fit pitches, um, with a thalasso therapy pool, um, with lots of treatment rooms, all the latest kind of, um, you know, tech uh, and treatments. And so if you're really into pampering, Nana Princess is the, is the one to go for. And I mean, this whole episode is uncovering so many hidden gems because with you know over 6,000 islands the Greek islands there's just so much to uncover and so much that will remain undiscovered for us I mean it was interesting to hear the sound bites of my guests that we just were listening to earlier and how many of them chose islands that I knew very little about yes it's interesting um funnily enough Agistri and Aegina they were probably one of the first islands I went to uh, a long time ago um, and basically I went there because at the time you could get these you used to be I think it was in the Daily Mail in the back pages they used to advertise these cheap holidays and you would just yeah. kind of like you would just phone up and say oh you know okay it's 20 quid to go you know for a week calling you know with everything uh, with flights not all inclusive at the time but with flights and uh, your room booked in so I just did one of these and I ended up in Igistria two two centre holiday Igistria and Aegina. Um so I'm very fond of those two islands. Um I should think they've changed a bit now, but um yeah. Aegina I remember was famous for pistachios and I just remember that smell of roasting pistachios. Yes, that's what Hugh Fernley Whittingstall remembered about it as well. I mean, he, I think that it's amazing, actually, how I, I mentioned this in my introduction, how I've had, you know, over 70, 75 guests on the podcast. But for this Greece special, it's interesting how many chefs pick Greece as one of their favorite places. Their food clearly is something that is so resonant with them when they when they visit the islands. Yes, yes, it's interesting, isn't it? Because it's very, I mean, it's very simple food. I think that's what Hugh was saying, that um, it's not, you know, it's not uh, kind of lots of sauces and, and, you know, lots of added extras or spices. It's very simple food, but using really good quality ingredients. And I think that's what what really makes Greek food so good. Does the, the cuisine vary from island to island? It, it does. I mean, each uh, island has its own kind of specialities. So, oh, does it? Yes, yeah. So um, I think it's Amorgus has a Psimeni Raki, uh, which is so Raki, which is the, the white spirit. Raki, it's not like in Turkey where it's with, with aniseed. Um, here in Greece, it's just a really powerful like 70 percent uh proof white spirit um (laughs) it's made with when they when they do the grapes they get the what's left over from the grapes they kind of pulp it all up and throw in any other fruit and they make it with that um and i think it's a morgus simeniraki it's made they add herbs to it as well which you know if you said that to a cretan they'd say amartia (laughs) it's a sin (laughs) 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 so how would they have it so they just have it scattered with nothing you know it's just you've just got to knock it back the pure white alcohol that's how it should be yes they're tough in crete (laughs) (laughs) how do you how do you like it (laughs) i don't like it at all it's too strong (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, I think I might be giving that a miss next time I go to Greece, actually. <laughs> I don't think I have the constitution for that. No. <laughs> so um, which are your favourite lesser known islands? So one of the islands I discovered, and it was one that I'd wanted to visit for so long, uh, was Dirassia. So I go, I visit Santorini a lot because I'm a Greece expert for the Telegraph newspaper. So I review a lot of hotels in Santorini. So I go there a lot. And every time I go, I'll get into a conversation with someone who will say to me, ah, but you need to go to Tirassia because that's uh, Santorini 50 years ago. Santorini 50 years ago, you know. So you think, oh, come on, Santorini 50 years ago, does that even really exist? So finally, I got to go to Styracia. And it's amazing because it's only um, a 10 minute boat ride from Santorini. So yes, yes. It's the other part. So if you see, if you can imagine the Santorini's caldera, the volcanic caldera, um, you've got um, Santorini, which kind of makes a half circle. Mm -hmm. In the middle, you've got the Paliacameni, the old volcano. But on the other side, you've got another island, and that is Tirassia. I arrived at night, so imagine I arrived from Santorini, Ia, you know, bright lights, uh, people everywhere, bustle, noise, cafes. And you arrive on this island 10 minutes from Santorini, and it's just there's barely any street lights. There's just the lap of water, the smell of seaweed, um, a donkey, you know, honking somewhere, uh, geese walking along the middle of the road. Um, and it's an amazing place because it's very arid, the island. It's not very big. I think it's about five square kilometers or something like that. But it's got all these old cave houses, these villages. There's the oldest village called Agrilia. The, there are all these cave houses that have just been abandoned. So if you can imagine in uh, Santorini where all these cave houses have been repurposed as these amazing hotels. Yeah. And in Thirassia, they're just, you know, abandoned. So you can really see how people used to live in these cave houses. And is the island inhabited? It is. There are only, I think there are about 300 people live there. Right. Uh, so very small. Be- Yes, because in in the 1950s, this affected Santorini as well. Um, In the 1950s, there was a huge earthquake and big parts of Santorini, especially near the caldera, were destroyed and on Thirassia as well. So many people left, many people left Santorini at that time as well. And that's when, you know, the hotels started moving in in Santorini and started taking the the old cave houses, buying them up cheap and, you know, turning them into hotels. Mm, oh, yeah, that's so interesting. It lived up to your expectations then when you went to the island? Yes, yeah, I really enjoyed it. I went hiking. Um, it, it's just very, very wild. I love wild places. Um, and it, it really was like being in Santorini before the tourists arrived. It was incredible. Where did you stay? So I stayed at a place called Thirassia Paradise Suites, uh, which is in the the main, the kind of fishing port, which is called Aierini. Um, that was a really nice place as well because it was run, it's owned by uh, local people, um, but it's kind of third generation. So they're young, they want to, you know, they want to do something different. Mm-hmm. So they have a small restaurant and they, um, they make really wonderful food um they they make their own claw which is the cheese from the island the goat's cheese from the island 
and it's and the, but the the um the suites were very modern with the swimming pool and everything so you've got that kind of um, the best of both worlds really yeah oh that's a real hidden gem to add to the list yes definitely and i went to carpathos which is in the dodecanese and it's it's a bit crazy because it's only 30 minutes flight from Crete. But for some reason, I never made it there. And I've always wanted to because Carpatos is famous um, because of Olympos, which is the, um, the main mountain village where um, all the women still dress in traditional costume. Wow. And they still respect all the kind of traditional customs. You know, they still cook all the traditional food. It was fascinating. It, it's an island. It's not very big, but it's got some stunning beaches. On the eastern coast, there are all these kind of pine forests and very steep cliffs, sheer cliffs, descending to these beautiful sandy beaches. Um, and then you've got Olympos, which is really fascinating people are very friendly they'll talk to you but all these women dressed in these gorgeous i mean someone said to me it's like costumes that you see in uh, peru peruvian or or mm-hmm. in ecuador you know mm-hmm. very bright colored the colors the patterns big skirts big yes long skirts and these mm. kind of um uh, high boots that go right up to the Goodness, knee they must get so hot yes yes I mean, they really live like, um, you know, hundreds of years ago in in all senses of the word. How fascinating. Oh, those are some fantastic recommendations. I've got that kind of feeling where, like I had during the pandemic when I couldn't travel anywhere, where there are just so many places now that I want to visit in Greece. <laughs> that I'm just like itching to, itching to go, itching <laughs> to start booking. There are just so many places to see. Mm, it's a big place. It is a big place. Speaking of which, are there some islands at the top of your bucket list that you've not yet made it to in Greece? I will be going to uh, Pertuli, which is a a mountain village in the Epirus Mountains, um, which is a very um, traditional stone-built village. um, There's a lot of hiking and all kinds of different things going on there. Is that on the mainland? Yes, on the mainland, yes. Um, because I've been visiting a lot of islands recently. But in, in fact, the mainland is becoming very popular at the moment. Mm. A lot of people want to find out about the mainland because, you know, Greece for so many years was just about beaches and, you know, uh, all-inclusive hotels. And since um, the pandemic, people are looking for different things, you know. They're looking to, to experience different things. So I'm visiting a lot of places um on the mainland as well. Um, I'll also be spending uh, quite a bit of time in Milos um, because I'll be reviewing hotels there. It's incredible that it's been, it's been so unknown for so long because it, it's just really beautiful. I mean, it's, it's uh, Santorini is like black volcano and Milos is white volcano. It's like, you know, the lunar landscape and the beaches and the siamata, you know, the traditional um, uh, kind of like huts where they used to keep their boats, um, where you can actually stay now. Some of them are actually um, small hotels. Um, so, it, yes, it's it's got a lot of charm, Minos. Brilliant. Oh, I could talk to you about Greece for the rest of the day, genuinely, <laughs> because every, every island is just so individual and interesting and it's just 
stoked so much wanderlust in me so thank you so much for your time Heidi it's been absolutely fascinating to chat and I cannot wait to get back to glorious Greece my pleasure thanks for having me a huge thank you to Heidi and to my guests Tom, Hugh, Fiona, David, Raven, Yotam and Joe if you're anything like me you are divvying up your next few holidays between each of these special parts of Greece who really needs more there's a part of Greece for every traveler I am so inspired I've included all the destinations mentioned by my guests in the episode show notes today and on my website thetraveldiariespodcast.com if you'd like to read more about Greece, head to visitgreece.gr. Next week is my season finale with a very special guest. To find out who, come and follow me on Instagram. I'm at Holly Rubenstein. I'd love to hear from you. Thanks so much for listening today. If you are enjoying the podcast, then don't forget to hit subscribe or if you use Apple Podcasts to hit follow so that a new episode lands in your podcast app each week. And if you really enjoyed it, then if you fancy leaving a rating or a review, that would be extra special. Thanks so much for listening and I'll be back next week. Today's episode is supported by Airbnb. It has been a long old winter here in the UK and in between podcast seasons, I'm going to take a little bit of downtime to seek out some warmth. I'm jetting off to the Greek island of Mykonos, visiting some places that have been on my bucket list. And while I'm hopefully soaking up some Mediterranean sun, my home will be hosting guests from all over the world thanks to Airbnb. It's the perfect way to make your travels even more rewarding. Instead of letting your home sit empty while you're off exploring new destinations, why not turn it into a cozy retreat for fellow travellers just like I do. Whether you choose to rent out your entire space or just a spare room, it's up to you. I list my spare bedroom and it's been a fantastic experience, both financially rewarding and a great way to connect with new people. So if you're planning your own summer getaway or any trip for that matter, consider putting your home on Airbnb. It's a fantastic way to earn extra income that can go towards your travel expenses, souvenirs, or even that special treat you've been eyeing. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.co.uk forward slash host. Thank you to Airbnb for supporting the Travel Diaries. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.